I'm Teffer. And I'm Eunice. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the Indigenous communities of that area. Uh, In Canada this week, there was some very um, awful yet unsurprising news as people uncover more and more about the residential schools uh, that has been circulating and on my mind. I encourage you to look into that and to look for Indigenous voices talking about it um, because those are the people who know what to say best. (laughs) So it is June. We are starting our June lineup and we decided that in June we're gonna read books about food because there's a lot of really fun YA books that revolve around food as the setting or a driving plot point and um what's a better more fun way to kick off the summer than eating a bunch of food so this week uh we are kicking it off with my very favorite Maureen Goo book and one of my favorite books period This is The Way You Make Me Feel. The Way You Make Me Feel is about 17 or 16 year old. I keep saying 17 because they're almost always 17, but in this time Mm -hmm. she's 16. 16 year old Clara Shin, who because of a really dramatic uh, prank at school, ends up having to spend the summer working on her dad's food truck and learning about friendship and love and opening yourself up to feelings and disappointment and and emotional risk and the food truck has incredible food it's a real it's a real summer read very much summer vibes um but yeah why is this one of your favorite books yeah I mean it's really (laughs) I don't know what to say other than just it grips me like it pulls me in. I was reading this like till I went to sleep every night this week. And that's not an experience I've had in a really long time. I do. I mean, I love Clara and I really appreciate narratives that are about opening yourself up to emotional risk because that's uh, sort of a recurring theme in in my life for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I relate to that. But I also, I mean, I love her relationship with her dad. I love the I mean we come back to this all the time I love the representation I love the fact that she's um Asian American but she's not just Asian American she is Asian Brazilian like Korean Brazilian American her dad is a Brazilian guy of Korean heritage who emigrated to the states um and that I feel like is a slice of representation and of the Asian American experience that we don't get often So I really, really appreciate that. But mostly, I mean, I love her relationship with her dad. I love the developing friendship with Rose a lot. And I really appreciate Rose as a foil to Clara and their sort of uh, side-by-side experiences. And I also just think the pacing, frankly, is really good. Yeah. 
there there are no points where I feel like it drags or rushes. It's just an extremely well paced book that draws you along mm-hmm. um, and and keeps you invested. Plus, like ah, hot food truck dad, like you know, <laughs> big bonus, big bonus there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, great representation in like really. I think people don't sometimes I I think people forget that there is Asian di- diaspora like around the world and not just in the Americas um like North America uh, uh but also like South America and just because of immigration and it's yeah it's a great look into that um this is also like I feel like a love letter to LA um mm-hmm. it's very LA it's which uh yeah I think is just representative of uh, Maureen Gu's writing um, and like her love for the city. Um, and that is um, kind of shown through like the different setting, like where, where the food truck parks and like the different neighborhoods. So yeah, I think it's a great, I always say this about Maureen Gu's writing, um, but she does humor really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's such a good writer for humor mm-hmm. and like voice. I think, yeah, so Clara is definitely a character that really comes alive on the page because of her like very distinct sense of humor. And um, yeah, that, that I think that also makes her as a character more relatable and more real. And you're like very sympathetic to her throughout her journey, even though you know, like, um, sometimes she can be <laughs> a teenager. <laughs> Prickly is the word. I'm really glad you brought up uh, the connection to LA because I feel like I used to just have no concept of LA as a city. Like for a really long time, my mental image of LA was of like a a highway, like a highway going through a downtown center. And I was just like, well, I don't like that. And in recent years, thanks to, honestly, thanks to watching a lot of food media, which is another connection I want to talk about in a minute, but, uh, and reading Maureen Goo's writing and a few other books, I've been like getting a more accurate picture of LA and now my picture of LA is that it is just a heaven full of tacos and flowers and I'm I'm really eager to visit sometime because I've never been further south in California than like San Francisco um mm-hmm. and and I would really like to uh yeah, or the Bay Area, I guess a bit further south than the Bay Area. But I would really like to see it because books like this make it, they're, they're such a rich, engaging, it's such a rich, engaging picture of the city uh, mm-hmm. that it makes me really eager to visit it. Um, <laughs> and that's cool, right? That's like, that's very effective. That's effective writing. You said that it is a love letter to LA. And that actually ties in one of the threads that I find really fun in this book and that I think is engaging for me. So I mentioned that I re- that I uh, watch a lot of food media. My partner's going to school in food studies. Like we, we engage with food media a lot. And mm-hmm. um, Clara's dad, Adrian, is very, very based on Roy Choi, mm-hmm. the chef behind Koji, which is the fleet of uh, Mexican Korean food trucks in LA. Kogi. Oh, is it Kogi? Yeah, like like meat in Korean. So I th- I I'm going to defer to the Korean here. 
<laughs> Unless it's like because it's fusion, it's not. But I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh... <laughs> I'm not a huge food truck person, but I feel like it's Kogi. I, I yes, no, you <laughs> yes, yes, no, it is. Uh, I think I I have only read it. And I pronounced it phonetically. So thank you yeah, for no. correcting me on that. <laughs> um, but like down to her dad's cook, her dad's truck being called Cobra, right? Like, right. It, yeah. The, yep. like, but Roy Choi. So, okay. Am I saying his name? <laughs> yeah, you, you are. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, his truck is Brazilian Korean fusion. And his mm-hmm. signature thing is uh, kimchi pastels. Mm-hmm. And we don't have any Brazilians here, so if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm very sorry. And Roy Choi's like signature dish is uh, is short rib tacos. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of kind of like, oh yeah, okay, it's the classic like fusion dish here. But I really, I think it's a really fun homage. And um, the other thing that I really like about it is that like Roy Choi now is like wildly successful. He's like a media person. He has a bunch of restaurants. He's like a very, very big name. Um, and I like to think that by creating those parallels, Maureen Gu gives us a little like sneak peek into where Adrian's career goes. Mm. Because we see him in this book as like a struggling single dad who has been trying really really hard to make his dream come true while also raising his daughter mm-hmm. and I like to imagine that um by establishing those parallels Maureen Gu says like yeah he's he's going places he's good which like you absolutely absolutely root for him through the book because he's a real good dude yeah I Adrian and the relationship he has with Clara um like you can see that it you see the glimpse of how, like, um, he is, like, very supportive of her. He's also a young dad. He's, like, trying to, he's, like, figuring things out. But as, like, the story progresses, also in this book, right, um, her mom, is, uh, Clara's mom is also a character mm-hmm. very much kind of, like, off the cuff, like, off off to the side. And the way that um, they, Maringu kind of, like, you know, um, depicts the the relationship Clara has with her dad and her mom. It changes, like, the way she sees their relationships. Um, it changes over the course of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Adrian's definitely the parent that is with the, has been with the child, the one who kind of, like, Clara takes for granted. Mm-hmm. Um and you can see how that changes um, throughout the book as she realizes more and more, like, um, things that she took for granted and now sees that, like, her dad put way more work in and more mm-hmm. thought in and more, like, love in and care. And that's, like, so real with, like, kids and their parents, right? Mm-hmm. As you grow up, as you grow up, you get to see a little bit more of, all the par- all the things that your parents like tried to hide from you as they were trying to take care of you and try to like make things work um, and sometimes you only saw um, like a small glimpse of like them loving you but you never really understood to the extent um, and I thought that reveal in the story um, parallel to her just like 
Clara um, kind of realizing things about herself um, and that trajectory of growth shown in multiple different like um, like arcs mm-hmm. in this in the story. I thought that was really good. I have to say the first time I read this book was probably I think close to when it first came out. I'm not exactly sure when this book was released. It's been a it's been it's- a it's, it's been, been a, good a few, few years. Good few years, yeah. yeah. Um, I read it <laughs> around the around this time, but it was actually like I think Father's Day weekend, and I just remember like sobbing <laughs> because I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, wow. Like, I don't. I don't think there's too much in YA with like father daughter relationships mm-hmm. that I've read so much. There's a lot of like mother daughter things and yeah. like how mo- like daughters relate to their moms, but like not too many father daughter things. Yeah. And like I just felt like, oh my goodness, this really just encapsulates so much of like like yeah, the like relationship between father and daughter and like the importance of that and yeah. I, I was just like, oh, just remember reading that for the first time. But it's still also reading it for the second time, the scene um, where she just kind of fig- finds out, like, how much her dad has kind of gone through. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about, like, him trying to also struggle with his, like, career as a single dad, like, that really just was such a such a poignant scene of like also her figuring like oh my gosh I got this all wrong um and like that was such a great great like plot point where like that pivot happens mm-hmm. um, and I yeah. Lo- yeah I love that I also cried reading this at least this time so I checked it came out in 2018 which is more recently than I thought but it's yes I so I don't remember if I cried the first time I read it but uh this time <laughs> I definitely did Clara's dad is 34. Like, he's four years older than me. (laughs) In four years, I will have a 13-year-old. No, that's not how math works. I'll have an 11-year-old. I'm no good at math. But, like, thinking about having to handle, like, age 18 to 34 while raising a child solo Mm -hmm. is such... It's really, yeah, it hits different, I guess. Like, being close to his age, it hits different. And, like, I think, so I guess, like, Clara's parents stayed together until she was four. uh, And Mm -hmm. they were, like, in their early 20s. And then her mom went off. So it's like you see these two different teenage parents pursuing their careers in different ways. Clara's mom pursues her career in a way that takes her away from Clara. And Clara's dad pursues his career in a way that, he he prioritizes parenting first the thing that I really really appreciate about the scene where she kind of has her revelation is that it really drives home what a good parent her dad is mm-hmm. because one thing that really struck me on this read through with Clara is how she doesn't resent her mom at all mm-hmm. and like as a reader I resent her mom <laughs> <laughs> But Clara clearly doesn't. Clara, like, clearly is like, well, this is my mom's thing and I love her. And she's, like, cool and glamorous and buys me presents and comes home to visit once a year. And mm-hmm. 
and this is my dad and he's you know kind of a drag but he tries and I love him and he's a dork uh, mm -hmm. which she's wrong about because he sounds real hot and yeah <laughs> so when she kind of has this reveal she finds these emails and she finds out the degree to which and we find out the degree to which her dad has been working to preserve her mom's image for her mm -hmm. and that is like that is good parenting when you're like separated if you're in a situation where your child can safely have contact with their other parent mm -hmm. like you you do have to let your child's feelings about their parent be whatever they are and you have yeah. to let your you have to protect your child's love for their other parent because that's mm -hmm. really really important and like the degree to which her dad has gone out of his way to Pro pro protect her from abandonment she doesn't feel abandoned mm -hmm. because he has worked twice as hard to make sure she doesn't feel abandoned and there's a really beautiful scene where when she finally like goes back and apologizes to him they're in the park that he took her to the mm -hmm. day her mom left to distract yeah. her and to give her a fun day to give her happy memories on that day Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just like who I'm tearing up talking about it. That's just like yeah. that. That is putting your child first. It's not something we see depicted often. And it's certainly not something we see depicted with single dads. And it's certainly, certainly not something we just see depicted with like young single immigrant dads. Right. That's yeah. not that's that's something that exists, but it's not something we see representation of. And it's so important. It's so moving. Yeah, it's really special when, like, a YA contemporary really, like, depicts a um, a type of family structure or, like, um, yeah, like a relationship that hasn't really been fleshed out a lot mm -hmm. and does it really well. Um, and I think that's what this book does. Um, and just, like, all the all kind of the relationships that happen on, on the page, um, like the friendships, the uh, romantic relationship. Yeah, I think it's done It's done very, very well in this book. Another really, like, subtle detail, but that I noticed reading this, is that there aren't any white characters in the book. I can't think of a single one. Wait, really? Yeah, like, like Hamlet's not, Rose isn't, Rose's parents, like, neither of Rose's parents are. Um, the what guy about her friends the guy her dad starts dating uh felix isn't yeah uh i guess felix's girlfriend is yeah she's like she's middle eastern so she could be white because she has an armenian last name so she could be. Mm -hmm. uh and patrick okay patrick i don't think we get confirmation yeah i don't know so okay mm. <laughs> there are two possibly white characters yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh. but yeah i know yeah but the, like yeah it's, it's not apparent yeah yeah oh her teacher yep. her teacher's white oh yep the teacher mm -hmm. at the very oh, yes. beginning of the book who is not a character right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. but that's so great because that's like yeah. that is again maureen goo flipping the script mm -hmm. and saying okay usually we get white ya novels that may have a couple token people of color Mm -hmm. so here's the opposite <laughs> yeah yeah yep mm -hmm. um the token white teacher yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah let's talk about her um like friendship with rose because mm -hmm. i think that's really 
I really love that. I actually think that was, like, besides the whole, like, exploring parental relationships, I think that part was one of my favorite parts Mm -hmm. of this book um, that I didn't even expect to really like. um, And I, like, ended up really loving it um, Mm -hmm. just because I think it was so important for Clara to have a friend. Yeah. Like, in a way where she's like, oh, this is what friendship is, um, like, could be when you, um, like, give all of yourself or more of yourself, like, um, just on a, like, like, emotional intimacy level. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, that's something that she was, like, lacking in her relationships, like, before she had to, like, force herself to be friends or get along with Rose. (laughs) Um, And I just, I just love that, like, the journey of, like, just like it, just organically, like, her, like, both of them being, like, comfortable with, like, learning who each other are, and then also, like, being able to trust each other with, Mm -hmm. um, like, I mean, they're forced to because they had to work together and, like, create, like, keep this business, like, Clara's dad's business going, um, but then, like, in that they are, like, they just kind of happen to be like, hey, like, actually, I really like this person, and I want to be friends with this person, and what does that mean? I need to trust them with, like, X, Y, and Z. Um, and that was that was really real. Absolutely, yeah. I want to point out that Rose and Clara becoming friends actually happens from another moment of Clara's dad being a really good dad. <laughs> where Rose and Clara are fighting every single day and his response to that is to say, all right, I'm taking a week off, run the truck for a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's such a good move, right? Because as anybody who has ever worked in a high-stress environment with other people knows, <laughs> like to get it done, you have to put all of your personal disagreements aside and just do the damn work. Mm-hmm. And I think he very insightfully realizes that these two girls are going to get to get get along once mm-hmm. they get there and yeah. they they need to get through their shit and they're not going to as long as they can triangulate through him and that's such a that's such a gesture of trust right mm-hmm. but it makes mm-hmm. sense because yeah. clara clara and rose deal with things differently but ultimately they're both very responsible people like clara is emotionally very shy but she mm-hmm. is like she cares she cares about her dad she cares about his business she wants to see him succeed and rose um Mm -hmm. needs to do everything well even when it's something she didn't want to do in the first place Mm -hmm. (laughs) um one of the things that i love about their friendship is rose talking about her anxiety Mm -hmm. uh when rose finally gets to a point where she feels like she can trust clara with mm-hmm. her anxiety. So Clara and Rose have been quote unquote nemeses for years. Yeah. I, and it sounds like basically because Clara just decided to be really shitty to Rose. Um, well, <laughs> it happened because of the misunderstanding of um, Rose telling on Clara that one time yeah. she was caught smoking in the bathroom, girl's bathroom. So, so then Clara yeah. kind of just harbors this, like, this animosity because, yeah. like, ugh, like, how could she ever, mm-hmm. ever, like, 
be friends with a narc, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because they sort of, I mean, in the in the classic, like, superhero, supervillain story, they sort of created each other, right? Mm-hmm. Rose catches Clara smoking mm-hmm. in the bathroom and reports her, and it turns out it's Clara's first cigarette and first time smoking and first suspension. Mm-hmm. And and then she's sort of mm-hmm. like, well, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> Leans into it. And, yeah. uh, and Rose, because of Clara's constant antagonism, pushes back by getting mm-hmm. even more narky and strict. So mm-hmm. as soon as they can release that tension, they start bringing out the best of each other, in each other instead of the worst. Yeah, so so once they get to the point where Rose feels safe sharing uh, that she has an anxiety disorder with Clara, and Clara responds really, really sympathetically and just like asks a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of really like compassionate questions about what's it like and what do you do. It, it's I mean, now that I'm I'm thinking about it, it's Rose starts the vulnerability, right? Rose opens mm-hmm. up and tells Clara something private and precious about herself. And that helps Clara just slowly get to that point of being able to start mm-hmm. opening up. Yeah, I think that like they both kind of realize they kind of give each other give each other what the other person needs. Clara definitely needs somebody who like encourages her to take risks and um like both and like and to be like vulnerable in showing that like she can care about things Mm -hmm. that she can be a which she calls it like try hard I think or something like that like she that she can care and that she can try hard to do things that like maybe before she was like eh like if if I'm gonna fail like why do I even bother like that kind of thing but and then Rose needs um like someone to be like hey like let loose let's like it's okay if like um you know like yeah like you can joke around about things you don't always have to be like perfect or um like put up uh like this kind of image of yourself Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so they like really do complement each other as friends very very well so speaking of them complementing each other i do want to make a note this is a note without judgment however um the cover of the book has (laughs) bisexual lighting And when I, the first time I read this on the first read through, I thought she was setting up a love triangle with mm. Clara, Rose, and Hamlet. And mm-hmm. I just, that's a headcanon that I maintain. I'll just say that. That's a headcanon I mean, that yeah. I maintain. I actually think that, like, if this book had gone another way, like, I could totally see it. Yeah. Um, like, I think also in my first read through, I was like, oh my gosh, huh? Like, if all of a sudden, like, Clara and Rose decided, maybe, like, you know. <laughs> I can see it. I can see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, Hamlet could also, you know, be there, too. I mean, you know, we can have triads. We can have thruples. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Rose, yeah. Rose likes Hamlet. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yep. That's the other fun thing, actually, that I like is that, so okay hamlet is the guy in this book Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. lovely i really (laughs) like he is he's a lovely character uh (laughs) and he is sort of clara's polar opposite in all ways and and still Mm -hmm. sort of bowls her over and charms her and Mm -hmm. um but 
when we first meet Hamlet, Rose and Clara both have a crush on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it never becomes a point of tension. Rose. I mean, yeah, I like, think Rose even says, like, well, he, clearly he likes you. So, yeah. like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Rose ascertains very quickly that he's not interested in her and is interested in Clara. And Rose just gets on board. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. <laughs> that's that's really, really, really nice to see uh, in a genre where all too often we see friendships torn apart because they both like the same guy. Which, like, I feel like, thinking back to my own high school experience, did not happen as often Mm-mm. as YA fiction would have us believe. Mm-mm. I feel yeah. like at least in our friend group, there was always kind of an attitude of like, well, boys are boys, but we're friends. Yeah. For the most yeah. part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, that's how relationships work anyway. You can't force, like, someone to like you. So, like, <laughs> you can't. It's just silly to be like, actually, we're going to make this into a huge point of contention. And, like, I'm not going to be friends with you because that person decided that they were going to like you and not yeah. me. Like, there's got to be, like, a healthier way to, like, depict, like, yeah. depict that, you know? And it was very simple. Like, it was such a small moment, but, yeah, very, uh, very much, like, a healthier way of <laughs> depicting that. It's really, it's really all about the small moments, I think. Like, I mm-hmm. really think the, the beauty of this book is in the detail. Yeah. Um, there are just lots and lots of subtle little moments that grip you um, and that keep you going. Um, actually, yeah. I mean, thinking about Hamlet, like, I find Hamlet a really interesting character, not just mm-hmm. because he's named Hamlet. As a character, he is someone who I could easily find grating. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, that makes sense because I am similar to Clara in some ways. And she also is kind of like, why do I I like this guy? Like, he's really earnest. Like, a lot. A lot. Yeah, I think that... (laughs) Yeah. If I knew a Hamlet in person, I don't know if I would always be 100% like, yes, like, let's hang out. Yeah, I mean, I think also, like, Hamlet is 16 and is a fairly (laughs) realistic 16-year-old. And I Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that, like, 30-year-old Hamlet is going to be maybe less of a Labrador puppy, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which is what Clara (laughs) Clara calls him. And Uh, very accurate. It's, like, the most accurate depiction. (laughs) But, like, he shows up to ask her out on a first date with a bouquet of flowers wearing a suit Mm -hmm. at the food truck. (laughs) (laughs) and like then shows up to their date with more flowers and the one that really got me is that without checking with her he starts calling her his girlfriend after their first date (laughs) and she kind of has this moment of like uh, and like if somebody pulled that on on me (laughs) I would be so mad (laughs) okay when I was 16 I probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. be mad okay so, like, I have to acknowledge that there are differences mm-hmm. between, between 16-year-olds and 30-year-olds. Because, like, I think that actually probably happened a few times with high school relationships. <laughs> but, like, yeah, and she and she just kind of has this moment of, like, yikes. <laughs> but she keeps liking him. And the, the mm-hmm. moment that is pivotal, so they go on their first date and it, and it sucks. Their first date is going really, really badly. And then they end up kind of interrupting it and go over to Hamlet's house where he lives with his grandparents to have dinner with them 
uh, instead a scene which made me order $80 worth of Sichuan food. Um, <laughs> worth it. That's the other thing. This this book will make you eat. Mm-hmm. This book will make you eat everything. This book made me make potato salad. <laughs> it made me order a lot of Sichuan food. Uh, it's 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 powerful. Yeah, and I but the thing that I think is interesting is that even though his character is so earnest and overwhelming, he stays charming. There are enough moments of sort of mm-hmm. being real and being honest and being genuine that help you realize no, this is just genuinely who he is. He's not yeah. like it's not a manipulative thing, it's not mm-hmm. a like self-defense thing. He just is a really friendly, earnest guy. Yeah, and Clara, like, is always has the problem with, like, like, are you being authentic? Are you being, like, um, like, too cool? Or are you being, you know, like, I think she, um, has those, like, questions. Mm-hmm. It, like, cause you're really m- very much in her head, like, and you're, like, kind of experiencing, mm-hmm. like, the characters through, like, her, like, what she thinks. Like, mm-hmm. she has, like, a dia- dialogue with herself about, like, mm, is this person, like, for real? Um, and, like, with Hamlet, like, I think he does a good job of, like, reassuring her, like, who he is as a person and she like becomes very like receptive to to him and I think this is just like a case of like Claire just closes her has been like closing herself off to different like types of relationship that require her to be more vulnerable um and how real is that Mm -hmm. um and and then like so when she gets a chance to like be in a relationship with someone who like is so like ready to just be like fully themselves and then also like just share like things like about his family and about like the way he feels like it's very much like heart on his sleeve like then she's like oh like I maybe it is okay to be like approach the world in this way or like mm-hmm. to be a person who is more like you know like world just throw like whatever it is at me and like at, like I'll just go with it or like yeah so I think like Claire definitely needs to <laughs> in the be- from the beginning of the book needs to surround herself with people like that to realize that she's like oh actually maybe the way that I'm I've been living my life or have been seeing the world is not how everyone sees it. And like, that's okay. And I can also be more open as well. Like Hamlet, I feel like is a love interest that I don't really see a lot of in YA where like, it is like that earnest. I feel like when you're earnest in YA, like the male like characters earnest and he's definitely not the romantic lead, first of all. And, like, second of all, he's very, like, like, yeah, he's very, like, the, like, second string, right? He's either, like, the, like, you know, the, like, best friend that, like, the main character, like, probably takes advantage of, like, and, like, and is not a full character in and of itself, um, or the person who, like, doesn't end up with the girl. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I wish I had read more, um, like, romantic leads 
that were kind of like Hamlet because then it just it just like offers up like a different like expectation I feel like for girls growing up um who yeah who kind of see certain relationships on the page and like are like oh yeah no that's the type of relationship that I want Mm -hmm. when actually maybe like that's not really like what you should always go for or like make sense for you so I think it's just like a diversity of like um relationships on the page and what's like could be also considered romantic or you know yeah I really appreciate that Clara learning to be more emotionally vulnerable with Hamlet does not um translate to Clara having exactly the same emotional journey as Hamlet Mm -hmm. so like Hamlet says I love you very early in the relationship and mm-hmm. Clara panics and runs away to Mexico um <laughs> which like hard to relate tbh and what i really appreciate about that particular part of that storyline uh is that when she gets back and they talk about it mm-hmm. it doesn't lead to i love you too yeah it leads to this isn't my speed but i like you a lot and like I really want to be with you and be dating you I'm just not there yet because Mm -hmm. that's what emotional honesty is Mm -hmm. like emotional vulnerability isn't pushing yourself into feelings you're not experiencing yeah it's being honest about what you are feeling in terms of relationships I also really appreciate this is another one of those little details but Rose I feel like is a character who you could expect to not date or to be very much a, like, serial monogamist or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rose, when Clara asks if she's dating anybody, is just like, she's like, yeah, I'm seeing, like, three guys right now, but it's not really serious. I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of, like, I don't really have time for anything serious, so I just kind of <laughs> have fun. And I yeah. really like that. I like that representation. I like that for her character. I think I thought it was really nice. Yeah, because it's not, like, the stereotypical, like, straight-laced, like, doesn't have any fun like which translates into like I'm not going to like date around exactly um, but yeah there was so much like little things mm-hmm. that really made the story so good <laughs> just sprinkled throughout mm-hmm. there is there's one more point that I think is kind of a big point in the book that I want to address before we wrap up and that is the role of disappointment so like one of the driving th- uh, threads in the book is that Clara signs the food truck up for a food truck competition with a with a prize that would give her dad the funding he needs to open a restaurant. Yeah. And she does it as a secret. And it's, you know, she and Rose are going to win and it's going to be a great big surprise for him. And it doesn't go as planned, but they do all end up at the competition, you know, pulling together to get it done. And <laughs> spoiler alert... Big spoiler alert. Clara has, like, opened up all of her feelings and, you know, thrown herself into this with a a full-hearted risk that is very, very out of character for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And they lose. I really appreciated that. Like, especially especially as someone who is risk-averse, I really Mm -hmm. appreciated seeing the character put it all on the line and lose. Yeah. Because that happens sometimes, and that doesn't necessarily make it not worth the risk, you know? Yeah. 
and it works out for Clara's yeah. dad finally. But um, yeah, um, well, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like it's also set up. Uh, like the book is also set up to kind of even lead to that. Um, like even if you were expecting a win, I feel like like there's that conversation that Clara has with Rose about like failing and making mistakes and how Cla- Rose says like, oh, you think that I'm like perfect because I like don't make mistakes, but that's not true. Like it's because like it like I have success because I've tried so many times and I've failed and then like kept going mm-hmm. um and that's why I'm where I am where I'm at and that's another way like that this book kind of also breaks the mold where it's like the person who's like perfect is not there because like they just can't do no wrong it's because like they've tried a lot and have failed and 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 have like kept going um it's like that resilience piece um that i think uh, like this book really sets up and which is why clara when she gets to that point um it's not this like complete world ender for her Mm -hmm. um and i don't think that's like would have happened if like earlier in that book she did that whole thing where she ran away yeah um and like experience that whole fallout um so i think yeah i think it was really like it was really well set up Mm -hmm. for it to end that way as well Mm -hmm. the moment that that point where rose says that she is like only where she is because she's failed a lot of times and kept trying did that like punch you in the emotions as much as it did me Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Yeah, the the lesson that like failure is necessary for success mm-hmm. is such a hard one for me. I mean, it was just it wasn't even like like on my radar when I was 16. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't yeah, I just don't think that I mean, I think some like teenagers get that, especially from like certain parents and or like teachers but like I don't think like even our like society is really like good for teaching that lesson you know like I think people say things like oh like it's okay if you make mistakes but like I don't know if that's actually true in how like any any grown-ups act around teenagers Mm -hmm. like it's always like oh my gosh you can't do this you can't like what if this happens? Like, even the, like, even any, like, talk about, like, don't do X, Y, and Z as a teen, it's because of the whole, like, idea of, like, you won't be, like, a fully formed human, like, a well-rounded human, or, like, you won't have success later in life. Yeah. Because, like, if you, like, skip school, then you do this. Like, if you, like, do drugs like if you like you know like any of that like it's like very like fear-based that like it doesn't really like there's gotta be a middle ground and like yes don't do like x y and z but also like you know like people mess up like people make mistakes and like yeah there's not a lot of like leeway for that when you're a teen sometimes yeah I think I mean we've talked about pedagogy before and I think even just the way we teach youth 
it's not just not teaching that lesson. It's actively teaching the opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you take the test, you fail it. You failed. Um, If you get this many homework assignments in late, you failed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really think there needs to be a shift in pedagogy. I've seen, you know, on the internet teachers saying like, yeah, if a student fails an assignment, they do it again and then they do it again and they do it again until they pass because that's what teaching is. And that's like, that's how you teach resilience saying, mm-hmm. well, you were sitting in this room with 40 other students, you know, at eight in the morning writing on a page and you didn't get it perfect so tough luck Mm -hmm. uh absolutely reinforces the idea that you get one shot and if you messed Mm -hmm. up you messed up yeah (laughs) yeah and like a lot of the success narrative is like it's reserved for the very few like you only like one out of million or like you only get one chance like that sort of like messaging is just very much throughout like our society and like I mean one it's a measure of like what we think like success really is um but it's also yeah it's just kind of that uh, like that mentality that really just makes it hard for you to even imagine what failure looks like or what mistakes look like mm-hmm. and it always like I think Maureen Goo's writing around anxiety and perfectionism and things like that always hits harder for me because she's talked very openly about having anxiety and living with anxiety. And I think that's why she writes about it so well. I mean, I know that's why she writes about it so well, right? Because she's inside it. But I I just like, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate her vulnerability in writing these because they're so important. It's really, really important to have this. So... That's The Way You Make Me Feel by Maureen Gu. I highly recommend reading it. It's a really, really, it just makes you feel good. It's a feel good read. But make sure you have snacks because my God, are you going to want snacks? And tissues. And tissues. Snacks and tissues. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually. I'm at tefferbear. And I'm at theunicornreadsabook on Instagram, and that's unicorn with an E. I'm also just going to put it out there because I feel like this should be in the show notes actually. You can follow us on Instagram (laughs) at yapodcast as well. We have a very pretty Instagram that I work very hard on. (laughs) If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, and Emmett Cameron. Did you know we have merch? Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Maybe a friend who loves LA, maybe a friend who loves food, maybe a friend who likes to cry. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tevra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatnai as part of the Upford Network. 
You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. Previous guests have included a Reiki healer, the heir to the Redenbacher popcorn throne, the person definitely not responsible for the murder hornet outbreak, and Jack Nicholson. Comes out Mondays, early in the morning. Check it out, and you might laugh. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.